All right, well, I guess we'll start, guys. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. We're talking about ethical church tech purchases and five questions with Church Mag author James Cooper. This is Eric Dye along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. And on Church Mag, we talk about Xbox for youth group or the newest and latest app and camera and soundboard and web hosting and all these different things. What's an ethical choice? What is a good standard as far as those purchases go? Jeremy, Phil, uh, have you guys seen any unethical purchases uh, in regards to tech at churches, in churches, for churches? Um, I haven't seen anything like, personally in, in my church, per se. We're, we're very frugal, probably too frugal. Uh, so that might be, might be on, the, on one end. We buy a lot of used stuff, and I think it's irresponsible and sometimes. Uh, I should say in the past, we bought a lot of used items. Um, they break down sooner, and so you're kind of – do you save money on the front end? Do you spend it more on the back end? But I was talking to um, a pastor friend of mine a few uh, weeks ago. He was at a conference, and uh, there's some youth pastors there who like had MacBook Pros, top of the line, you know, maxed out RAM, maxed out chip. He's like, these guys are using Facebook and Twitter, and they justify a MacBook Pro. <laughs> It was. It was. Just, he thought it was an incredible waste of money. These guys were. They're not developers. They're not designers. They're not likely to be to get into those fields. And yet, for whatever reason, they convinced their church board to buy the MacBook Pros. Yeah, that that's an interesting balance and dynamic. It. We've talked about some of the top needs of tech in the church, and the top two things that people have a problem with as far as heading up tech is volunteers and money. So it seems like most church tech volunteers are struggling with the fact that they don't have enough money. So it's not really uh, a problem with them you know, going over the top. Jeremy, what's your experience been like? So I have a strong ethic stance on a lot of different things. And I think that if you're going to do it, you're going to do it well, but there's no reason to waste money. And so for me, a lot of what goes into different purchases, a lot of a lot of the purposes for what the church uses stuff for, for me, does not necessarily go along the lines of ethics as much as my own personal ethics stance. And so I see a lot of churches will completely disregard technology in and of itself just because they don't see the use of it right away. They will deny a lot of youth ministries the basics of wanting to have a projector or a computer or a decent computer. Um, And a lot of times I've seen churches require you to bring your own device and pay for it and then there is complete disregard for how to use software. So you bring in a software like Photoshop or something like that, and then they share it throughout the entire church. And so there's a whole lot of misuse of money, and there's a whole lot of really back-end uh, shady kind of things going on with all those different kind of things. Right, because you even have some licensing issue violations in that scenario. I mean, it's harder to do with Photoshop now, but that definitely can happen. Yeah. So let, me, so let me ask you guys, in a youth group situation, because both youth pastors, you're working with youth, you decide that it would be great to have some sort of video game system, maybe the new, the upcoming new PS4. I mean, that would bring youth, right? Having a new PS4 as soon as it's released, say, hey, come to our church youth group, we're playing this PS4 game. I mean, the kids would just come out for that, seriously. They would come out to check it out, to play it, you know, maybe throw it up on their projector or something really cool like that. I mean, is that... Is, is that a poor church purchase, or is that a wise church purchase, or is this something where someone in the church, maybe even the youth pastor, who would then own the device, should bring their own? What, what do you guys feel about that? I know that 
a lot of the recent purchases that have come out of the tech industry for churches have been great purchases because there's been huge advances in technology, whether it's the Xbox, whether it's the iPhones, whether it's laptops, stuff like that. But I think that this next generation coming out, I know that there's a lot of different conferences coming out where they're debuting all these great things, the Xbox One, hopefully the iPhone 5, new iPads, stuff like that. I don't think that the technology in and of itself is so much more advanced that it justifies those kind of costs. And so if we are pushing this idea that we are being good stewards of our money, but at the same time trying to do the best with what we have and trying to be great with what we have, I don't think that it justifies any of the costs for future purchases at this time. But I think that all the purchases that we have now are amazing. And so you said you mentioned the PS4. Why in the world would we go and buy a PS4 when you can get an Xbox 360 right now for less than $99? So I, for me personally, I don't see how you can justify the cost, even though it's new and shiny. Yeah, I think it, I think it depends on your the overall piece of your budget. I mean, if you are a, a small church, and th- then the PS4 is not your growth strategy because you're going to spend a lot of money, and it's a it's a niche tool. You you might grow a certain segment of kids. Um, in my in my area, that won't really bring kids video games. We we've got video games, and hardly any of them play it because. In our in our area, the gamers want to play Call of Duty and Halo. We don't play those games at our church, and so uh, that that won't draw students. I think that Jeremy's right in that if you if you can do a very good experience with what you have, then chasing the new and the shiny can get you into a lot of trouble, and you can build your youth model on on new and shiny. Um, the problem is there's always something newer and shinier, and you'll be You'll chase your entire budget down the drain uh, trying to find uh, that, that magic tech item that will draw more kids into your group. Yeah, that being said, I think that looking at the the entire budget of the church, I have this own soapbox that I talk about, and I think I even said it on the Google Plus Hangout, where we have donut ministries that are purposely placed to make our congregation that comes to church every single Sunday morning where we feel comfortable. And so we can hang out, and I know that there's a spiritual element of community and congregation uh, interaction, but what if we use the donut ministry one time a month where we improved our website, where we tried to make the youth ministry a little bit better, where we use some of these things so that we could actually do better ministry instead of making ourselves feel comfortable. And so for me, some of the ethical issues are in the choices that we make for technology, and sometimes it's in the choices we make to make ourselves feel better. And so for me, a lot of what I see in churches are we should buy a PS4 so that we can have more games and more fun, but maybe we should be buying it so that we have a website that engages with the community and has a lot more to um, have an outreach ministry. Yeah, I think it's all about balance. Your your donut ministry is fine, you know, keep that, but don't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. You know, you can't uh, develop the entire budget to making one segment of the congregation happy. You need to make sure you're always improving and growing in in every area in a balanced, holistic way. If um, in my in my area, it's a relatively traditional church area. So if we spent a ton of money bringing lights and like a DJ on our stage for Sunday morning service, it's not going to go over well. There's no point in, in growing in areas your church doesn't need. However, I think Jeremy's made a good point that a lot of churches don't see the need technological growth. And in some areas, it may not be as great a need as others, but there is some need to uh, to branch out and to uh, establish a, a healthy web presence, to establish um, 
technological uh, standards for your church equipment. You, your church stuff shouldn't always be breaking down. You know, take pride in the equipment you have at your building and, and the way you do your service through technology. And I think that what Jeremy's saying is we need a holistic, balanced approach to we're not we're not going too far on one end or the other that we're growing properly and uh, you know ethically and responsibly. I personally would like to see Phil DJ. Yeah, I want to see Phil DJ. Have you DJed Phil? Uh, I've DJed and then I've played MP3s. I actually have a, a board of a crossfader, so I crossfaded it, but I don't have turntables. Well, I can see you at the turntable and the headphones going. Dreams, my friend. These are my dreams. <laughs> so we can go on record that Phil has indeed played an MP3 player with faders. Uh, I I had a, an iPod and my MacBook going, and I was was crossfading between the two. It was pretty sweet, I gotta say. You secretly have the Dead Mouse hat, don't you? No, I don't. But I uh, need one. <laughs> if anything, you're, ju- you're just a regular mix master, mighty white. <laughs> if, if anything, I'm gonna get a, a Daft Punk robot head. Here you go. I love the line that you had chasing the bright, shiny things. I think that that is incredible. And you know, it seems like we hear a lot about church tech having a hard time getting things approved with boards and budgets and finances. But, you know, you guys have really outlined the idea of balance and healthy growth, pointing out the fact that having free donuts could be a waste when really we should be putting the money towards building something opposed to just consuming something. And I wonder if there's been too many years of church tech being abused, and that's why, you know, no one's listening. Where does this perception come from that the technology is just just silly toys that we don't need. Where do you guys think the root cause is that? Is it from these these uh, these guys who buy the over-the-top gear that don't need it? What, what do you think the root cause is for that? My personal thought is that sometimes when we make these budgets, when we sell our ministry to be able to have these kind of technology and make those proposals, sometimes we don't make the best proposals, and sometimes we don't clearly think through why we want them. And so we see that another ministry has been using Xboxes to engage with kids. And I see that and I'm like, oh, I want that in my ministry. So I go into our church community and we I actually make that proposal. But if that's all I'm proposing, I think that's a terrible proposal, a terrible trying to justify the means for the cost. But if I look at it from a whole standpoint of trying to bring in kids that have never been in the church that need that first engagement, maybe it's not necessarily an Xbox that we push for, but maybe it's a coffee ministry, or maybe it's trying to just have some kind of pizza night every Friday night after a football game. And so that we justify those kind of costs, not only from a standpoint of, oh, it's new and shiny, but that we are looking at the whole picture of how is this going to benefit the church? How is this going to benefit the congregation? How is this going to benefit the entire community as we try to make these purchases? Yeah, I, th- I think if we really research these things, if we you know look at the high end cost and we look at the low end cost and we look at you know what really fits the bill, if we do that well, when we deliver these proposals, they're going to be well thought out. And in the process of putting these proposals together, we will have kind of gatekeeped ourselves. You know, from from making from proposing poor choices as well. But yeah. then also not being afraid to ask for the things that you want, because I think a lot of churches, a lot of tech people don't necessarily think that they can ask for the twenty thousand dollar soundboard whenever they see one that's three thousand dollars and it has been used for five years from the previous church, even though Coke spilled all over it and babies spit up on it and the other people misused it. I think that we don't justify for ourselves that we can make those high-end purchases. And I think sometimes we need to just be advocates for our church, for our ministry, for our tech team, and just make those purchases. I'm pretty sure we bought that soundboard. 
<laughs> you spilled the Coke, Phil, when you were crossfading those MP3 players. Well, I don't drink Coke, but uh, the the spit up may have been mine though. When I was, you know, I like how you did that, Phil. You didn't say <laughs> I didn't spill Coke on the soundboard. No, you said I don't drink Coke, which means you spilled something else. <laughs> there you go, exactly. You know, I think church tech guys are not known for their communication skills. Yeah, I know. I found my personal self being that that guy between the church and the tech people. So the church, the tech people make those grunts and, oh, I think I should buy this nanotechnology and yeah, nah, 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 nah. and then trying to be able to convey that to church or church people and the budgets and all that stuff. For me personally, I feel like at many times I've been that gap in between yeah. to be able to communicate well for them. And sometimes you need that. And sometimes you just learn to communicate with Tech people are oftentimes volunteers in church. I think it's helpful for volunteers to understand that there are other ministries that have other needs. And so in the, in the past few months, I've um, done a lot more working across the entire church, doing a lot more, you know, like been doing a lot less with just the youth and a lot more with the whole church. And so I'm seeing how, like, okay, well, the youth group needs a new computer. Uh, the soundboard, the sound booth, the sanctuary needs a new projector. And uh, this group needs this for their class. This group needs this. It, and the parking ministry needs new walkie-talkies. Exactly. It goes on and on and on. And so it's, uh, it's about understanding that those needs across the church. And part of that is because historically we have not, We've tried not to spend money, and I, I appreciate that 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 the um, desire to be responsible. But in the end, now we're at a point where we've got a lot of equipment we've got to replace, and so it's a, it's you, that balanced approach. Uh, you place a little bit here, place a little bit here, and like Jeremy said, you know there are times when you need to buy quality because it's going to last you longer. Yeah, and I, I think we're all sitting here agreeing with this. You know, not to go over the top, and there needs to be balance. I I think the real key. Is and the real difficulty is the execution of that. Yeah. Well, and also just being able to not only say that you've made the effort and that you've done your part for the kingdom, but then also having done the research and the justification for what it is that you're doing. And so you're being good stewards of your money, but then you're also trying to do what you do great. And we've done similar things. Uh, we've got a, a G5 um, in our youth sound booth, and it's it's slowly frying itself to pieces. And uh, we need a new computer. And our pastor said, okay, well, what do they want? I said, they want a new iMac. He said, okay, what do they need? I go, I think a Mac mini will suffice. And, uh, you know, it's, kind of, it's like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? And what's the you know, the cheapest worst scenario? And the worst scenario there, like a Windows machine or whatever. And I, I think that um, that it's it's all about deciding what you need, uh, giving yourself room to grow for the future because you don't box yourself into like all we do is this, and then all you can do is that. But it's it's being realistic about what what you can possibly use in a given industry. All right, today on the Church Mag Podcast, five questions. We're going to be talking with Church Mag author James Cooper. James is from the UK and has been building websites since Netscape 3 was cool and now specializes in the wonderful world of WordPress. He runs one of the biggest Christmas information websites, whychristmas.com, and is a lover of all good sci-fi. While he plays many different stringed instruments, it's the ukulele that James is known for. 
James, where do you keep your mobile phone at night? Or I guess you're in the UK, so you're mobile. Is that how you say it? Yeah, we have mobile phones. Okay, where do you keep your mobile then? Um, I keep my mobile in a little mobile chair, deck chair, that somebody gave me for a birthday present a very long time ago. And where do you keep the mobile, mobile, excuse me, gotta use proper English today. Uh, where do you keep the mobile chair at? Uh, on my desk. Ah, okay. All right. So you're not one of these people that like keeps it under your pillow or anything. No, no. Mo- um, bedroom is mobile free zone. Cool. All right. What did you want to grow up and be when you were seven years old? Probably a spaceman. I would have thought an astronaut or something like that because I loved sort of even back when I was into sci-fi and space and stuff like that. So probably an astronaut. What's your biggest technology? pet peeve being a web designer it's probably seeing really rubbish websites that people have paid an absolute ton of money to have made for them and and i could do it for a fraction of the cost and it's so often people like charities and you know small businesses that actually really shouldn't be spending that amount of money anyway and that get duped into it by either big agencies or just companies that charge the earth for absolutely nothing Name your three most favorite blogs. And you can't say Church Mag. Oh, you see, I was going to say Church Mag. Um, I would have to say TechCrunch would be up there. Um, can I have a combined one of all of the Tuts networks? So WP Tuts and Web Tuts and all of those. Of course. Um, and there's a really obscure American football one that I read as well. James, can you play us a song on the ukulele? I can. Um, Do you want the normal ukulele or the banjo ukulele? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will go and get one. Bear with me, because it's on the other side of the room. Hello, I'm back. Just making sure it's in tune. It will do. Um, I will play you the introductions to When I'm Cleaning Windows, because it's a, a traditional banjo uke song. Here we go. Do you want any more than that, or is that, you know, really put people off? You don't know the Firefly theme song by heart or anything? Sadly not, no. That is on my to-do list to learn, but um, I haven't found a really good tab version of it yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll just sort of tinkle away, shall I? That's a really, I shouldn't say that because that sounds really bad. Yeah, um, yeah, please don't tinkle away. <laughs> This has been Five Questions with Church Mag author James Cooper. Guys, what have been some of the top posts that you've been reading around the web? Phil, what was your... I'll defer to Jeremy. Knowing the can that he's going to open, let's start with you, Phil. Go for it. Phil, you start. What what was your favorite post that you read? Uh, My favorite post was... um, It's from uh, bloggingtheologically.com. It's a great blog. He's always got tons of uh, in-depth stuff on there. And I actually tweeted out there... Is that your blog, Phil? No, Blogging Theologically. Great name. Wish I had that name. No, it's it's, uh, Aaron Armstrong's blog. Um, Great blog. I tweeted out something yesterday from him, and I think you retweeted it, I think... Um, as church mag, but either way, it's uh, the post is the medium isn't the problem, discipline is. And he talks about how um, he's noticed he has a problem 
um, sometimes when he's reading his, uh, his you know, Bible on his iPad, and he's getting, getting distracted. And he realized it's not the problem. The problem isn't the iPad. The problem is that um, in that setting, he allows himself to be distracted more than if you're reading a physical Bible. And, I, and that's something I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately. I actually, um, a few months ago, went, uh, went lo-fi and only, only read my Bible um, my actual leather-bound Bible, because I, I was finding that I was too distracted when I read from uh, my Bible app. And I think it's a great conversation to have is that, you know, using technology is fine, but you have to treat the Word of God like the Word of God. And whether you're reading it on a phone or a tablet or a web page, you know, take time, go somewhere quiet, be alone, and spend time with God. However you, whatever medium you use to access the Word of God, give it the reverence it deserves. Yeah, there was a prayer app that we had reviewed on Church Mag a long time ago. Maybe I'll think of the name before we post this so I can have a link to it. But um, it had a mode on it, like a prayer mode, where it would essentially put your phone into airplane mode so that it you would get no notifications or anything. It turned everything off, and when you were in prayer mode, going through your prayer list, it shut everything down so there wouldn't be any kind of inter- interruptions, kind of, kind of giving you the best of both worlds, but... I to- I totally agree, Phil. Sometimes we get so, like earlier in the podcast, so obsessed with chasing the shiny and new that we, we don't just, you know, keep it simple sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sometimes the issue with version. I love that app. I think it's the first app you should download for your church on an iPad. But there's so much going on there that as much as we would like to say that the Bible is the feature of the entire thing, you can customize your own reading lessons. You can have sermon notes in there that that app can actually be used for so much more than just reading the Bible. And for me, the perp- the biggest fear is that you wouldn't necessarily read the Bible when you open new version. Right. You know how people say, when you read the Word of God, are you thinking about if it applies to someone else or how it applies to yourself? Mm-hmm. And I wonder that sometimes with the Bible apps that let you tweet in Facebook scriptures, like when people are reading, they're, they're actually subconsciously not thinking of how this applies to me or even letting God kind of speak to them through His Word, but are, are more thinking, should I tweet this? Ooh, this is tweetable, you know? Yeah, that's good. And I, I purposely, for that reason, um, I only tweet a scripture out that either either was part of our sermon that week. So if, I, if I'm reading my devotions, and I go, oh, that was part of the sermon this week. I'm going to tweet that. Uh, so it's like, a, you know, I can encourage my, you know, my, you know, my fellow, you know, churchmen, you know, people from my church on Facebook um, or uh, if it, or it applies to me. If, it's, if it ministers to me, then I'm going to share it. Because it's, it's not, it's, it's sharing. I'm not preaching a sermon on Facebook. I'm sharing, hey, this verse ministered to me. I'm going to share this with you. Yeah, I think the last time I went on Facebook, there was a lot of, lot of preaching. I think, it's a good, I think it's a good point, though. People are, what's well, like uh, tweeting in, in, the, in the sermon, you know? Are you, are you paying attention to the sermon? Or are you looking for a great tweetable moment? Oh, dear. That sounds like a topic for another podcast. Perhaps. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Jeremy. Your top, your favorite, but well, let's not call it favorite. Maybe in this case, maybe not your favorite. <laughs> so, well, I will say this: a post that I'm wanting to link to is through a good buddy of mine, Colby Milton, who brought up this topic that was totally debated. Um, there's a youth ministry group that I have on Facebook where we discuss a lot of different topics, a lot of stupidity, stuff like that. I love them. So, youthmen.org, check them out; they're awesome. But there was this youthministry.com article that came up that said, Instagram will kill your ministry. Yeah. 
your youth ministry has been killed. It's it's so ridiculous from the sensationalism of this article. And I mentioned that, and that didn't go over well. He did not like that. But the idea behind it is if you take an Instagram picture with yourself and a student of the opposite sex, that that could get you in deep trouble. That in and of itself, true. But then he makes the claim that you should never do that, that you should guard your boundaries, that you need to protect yourself and never do that. And I will say this, I hate blogging trolls. And so I took the utmost respect in trying to be able to comment on this. Now, well, hold on, hold on, Jeremy, hold on, Jeremy. We need to be clear. The internet trolling is not simply disagreeing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think there's a definite difference. And you can continue to dislike internet trolls. By all means, dislike them and don't feed them, okay? Yeah. But you weren't being an internet troll. You were simply disagreeing. And I think that that term gets thrown around a little bit too much, especially on Christian blogs. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't ever want to disagree, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and I think that my tone of it was so strong and... Not only was I advocating for better youth ministry, I was advocating for better technology. And even in that first comment, I was advocating for better uh, blogging so that you don't sensationalize the titles. I hate that. I hate that in blogging. And so there's this whole article. You can check it out through this other website. Go to this uh, youthministrymedia.ca. Go to that one first. Look at the fact that he calls it social media legalism. And I think that's what it is. I think that we in social in youth ministry have decided that we're going to protect ourselves so much that we are not going to um, get ourselves in trouble. And so this idea of taking a picture with another student that could possibly get us in trouble out of context. Now, I agree with integrity. I agree with boundaries. But there was so much better way to do it. Yeah, I think the I think the title for me was way beyond the pale. And uh, I think you're, I agree with your comment. I think it has to be it's a, it's about discipline and boundaries and and at first you know that that's the that's the first thing it's not about social media it's about knowing your boundaries knowing uh, how to be Christ-like and have integrity for me I, I don't want to agree with this post in any way but here's a concern I guess I share with the guy is that some some of these youth pastors coming out of college are seeing social media in an entirely different way and they are. There's somebody else online than they are in real life. And I say they because most young people are the same way. I, I deal with students at school. Um, I, don't, I don't let my students at my public school be my friend on Facebook, but I have some of my youth group kids who are my friends. And so I can sometimes see my students' posts through my church kids' posts, and, or however you want to communicate that. And it's amazing how kids are different online than they are in person. I strive to be the same person online as in real life. If you find me offensive and brash online, you won't like me in real life either. I, I want to be the same person whoever, wherever I am, whether digitally or, or, or physically. And I feel like there's a disconnect for younger people. And I think, Jeremy, that, that what this guy may have been getting at in a bad way is that there is – um, there are too many people in ministry who are focused on physical boundaries and establishing integrity um, in that way, but aren't so concerned with the digital. And I think that's the issue. Well, and I think that boundaries are not necessarily meant to protect yourself. Boundaries are meant to protect others. And I even said in the comment that this kind of thing won't kill your ministry. The boundaries are not the first step in moral failure. It is your spiritual, physical, emotional health. That is the first step in being able to have these moral failures in ministry. Right. Yeah, I don't think anyone disagrees that we should be 
above reproach and that we should have healthy boundaries. And I even, th- I even thought, I mean, even in this day and age, for us to be naive enough to think, to only say this about having pictures taken with the opposite sex, I thought was a little bit short-sighted. I, I thought that too, actually. People don't realize that social media is still real. Right. And, and I think what Jeremy is saying, you know, if you're living above reproach and you are, are, being as careful as you need to be, you don't need to worry about pictures taken and placed on Facebook because it's never going to be compromising. Right. Yeah, it's not something that will define you or your ministry. I agree. Right. Now, guys, I recently read a post by Lois Witt, Ragamuffin Soul. You've probably heard of him. Uh, and he had a post called I Wonder, and he brought up some interesting points. He was wondering, you know, if we turned off the lights and pulled the band off the stage, if people would still come or if people would go. He talked about if, you know, if we flipped, flipped the teaching time and the music time, would it matter? You know, and it got me thinking, even as far as the church tech goes, you know, what if we didn't have good websites? What if we didn't have developed social media? What if we had crappy sound systems? What if we didn't have overhead projection? You know, what if we just had the old, you know, handwritten overheads on the on the light projector? You know, what if that is what the church had? What would happen? I'm so torn here. I'm, I feel like a, 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 a two men on this argument. I totally agree. I, I think it's a great thing to ask. I, I would love to just come into service one day and pull the plug and say, we're just going to do this Old, you know, old school, you know, first century church. You wouldn't say, you know, we're going to turn off all the tech. You would say, we're going to do it unplugged. Yeah. Or we're going to do it retro. Right. Say, you just got to use the right language, and then it's cool, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think it'd be, especially in, in youth ministry, I have I, I have fought for a long time the, the battle, are you a pastor or are you a presenter? You know, are you trying, you know, are you bringing the word or are you bringing a cool video clip and a cool light show? Um, that's, that's a very, you know, deep-seated argument in my, in my psyche. But on the other end, here's where I keep coming back to is that I, I wonder what would have happened if the apostles didn't use paper and, and ink. Oh. If they just you know, sent, sent their epistles by word of mouth. Yeah, we don't want to use that technology. The technology, <laughs> that, that just that muddles things. So I just, we, we jump on the new tech and don't realize it's all technology. And I think that the real heart here is that we're too tech obsessed. We think that technology will bring people in. And I agree that that needs to be dealt with. But I think that putting it in a, in a no tech mindset is the wrong way to go. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think wondering and thinking about that is a healthy exercise because by stripping all that away, then you can really evaluate how is our church impacting the local community? How is the church holistically, globally impacting the world and cultures that it's around? You know, depending on what you're left with, you may need to be turning up the volume on these other things so that when you have the website that works, when you have the nice praise and worship services, that it is something that's enhancing what's being done opposed to being the only thing that's being done. That being said, I think that a lot of the big successes in church ministry for college students and youth ministry is when we take what is the normal and um, put it on its heels and take away all that tech, not to say that the tech in and of itself is a bad thing, but it's become the normal and when we take all that stuff away, um, I know for me, a college group would every year, every quarter, 
go outside when it's completely dark, take a guitar, read some scripture, play the guitar, uh, ask some provocative questions that would really challenge us, and then let us sit there and, and ruminate in, in the scripture, in the Holy Spirit, everything that's going on. That's something that I think that is amazing and powerful, and it's not necessarily for the fact that the tech is bad, but getting out of the usual. And I think the technology is our norm right now. And so if we can get away from all of that, I think that's why camp is so powerful. If we can get away from all of that and just be able to sit presently with God and not, again, not anti-tech, but anti-normal, that's sometimes the biggest thing that can happen in the students' lives from my perspective. I think, Jeremy, you're totally right on that. It's, it's anti-distraction. And there are times when the technology can get in the way. It's supposed to help us minister. But there are times when technology gets in the way of the ministering. And we've got to we've got to get it out of the way, cut it you know cut it. It's like it's like pruning. You you prune. I'm not very good at, at at yard work, so I don't prune very well. But but you DJ. That's true. Also prune a bush or or, or a tree uh, to you know keep it growing, keep it healthy growing, but keep it in line. And sometimes we need to prune our technology because there's because like what Eric said, the technology should enhance what's going on elsewhere. Um, I'm I'm, pr- I'm very proud of our church that we one of the only churches in the area of a podcast. We've got a great website. We've had a great web presence for about four or five years now. We're using Facebook and Twitter. We're, we're getting better at those things. We're not, we're not the masters of those, those medias. We're getting better. And, but at the same time, we're constantly in our community doing, doing real-world things to help people. My, our pastor uh, has been saying he, he wants to find a problem, an issue in our community that we can tackle so that in five years someone can say, man, whatever was a big problem in our community until that church stepped in. And help solve that problem. And technology won't help us solve that problem. It's going to be it's God directing us, God empowering us to do incredible things. And an iPhone won't help with that. Well, it might help, but yeah, I know what you mean. To God be the glory, not the iPhone. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome, guys. Well, that does it for this episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Uh, I guess we'll do this again, huh, guys? Sounds good to me. I'm in. Awesome. Does anybody know what we're talking about today? I'm afraid you use it on the blooper reel. President Obama, can you please delete that as well? That was pretty embarrassing. Is this on? Tap, tap. The silence was deafening. Please don't put that on the blooper reel. This is a Touch Mag Production.